Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, where we feature the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. Crowdfunding, a disruptive force in the traditional finance sector, is changing how entrepreneurs finance their creative endeavours and bring products to market. It has allowed thousands of innovating entrepreneurs to raise money, build brand awareness and join a broader conversation with large numbers of potential backers, all while still in the product development process. But does crowdfunding really enable innovation and creativity to flourish? Anirban Mukherjee, Assistant Professor of Marketing at the SMU Lee Kong Chien School of Business, recently published a research paper titled Does the Crowd Support Innovation? Innovation Claims and Success on Kickstarter. In this podcast, he discusses this study and shares the surprising finding that innovation can be a hard sell with a crowd. In fact, it was found that crowdfunding takes a 26% hit when a product is framed as both novel and useful. Professor Mukherjee, I understand that you have recently done some research that took a closer look at crowdfunding on Kickstarter. What inspired this study? So I'll begin by discussing what crowdfunding is. Crowdfunding is when an entrepreneur goes to the crowd, which is just the online community. And we call it a crowd because it's quite large and it's relatively anonymous. And essentially, so that so an entrepreneur can go to this community to seek funding directly from the community for the venture that they're coming up with. Now, what makes this interesting is that if you look at the history of innovation and you say, why do we in general like innovation so much? So if you ask people, do they want innovation? Everybody seems to say that they want innovation. But then they say that, well, the companies aren't delivering innovation. And the idea is that whoever sits in between the person coming up with this new idea and the person who gets the idea, that person is not able to take the great ideas forward. So what crowdfunding allows an entrepreneur to do is essentially go past the banks, go past the companies, and go directly to the consumers. It allows for a much more efficient funding market. That's the big sort of story or the aha moment behind this. So I started taking a look at this a few years ago partially because empirically the phenomena was growing very quickly. At this point, crowdfunding is about 60 US billion dollars uh, across the world. And it should grow in the vicinity of 90 to 100 billion dollars. And what's also very interesting about this is that it should grow a lot more in the emerging markets than in the developed markets, where there is a need for these financial markets for innovation. So partially we were driven and I was driven by the empirical phenomena itself. I was also driven by two things. One was this general idea of do the crowds get it right? This is a very deep philosophical question. It goes all the way from uh, politics, where we think of democracies, and that's the wisdom of the crowds, uh, all the way to organizational structures of firms and companies. And it, this was a good testbed for that idea, to say that in a very simple context, which is a product that I am going to use as a member of the crowd, can do I fund the right one? And so we began to look at innovation in the crowdfunding context. And that was really the genesis of the paper. I understand that you led this research with three other co-authors. Please tell us more. 
Our paper is titled, Does the Crowd Support Innovation? Innovation Claims and Success on Kickstarter. And the paper is co-authored with uh, Professor Kathy Yang, who'd, who's at HSA Paris, uh, Dr. Ping Xiao, who's at UTS Sydney, and Professor Amitava Chattopadhyay, who's at NCIRT. Uh, we, are, we are sort of working on a few projects together. So this is the first paper in a series of projects to look at crowd behavior and innovation. How was the study conducted and what were your findings? Broadly, what we were looking to investigate in this project is what matters in terms of gaining funding success. And so we started off by looking at project framing. Now, when we say framing, what we mean is the description of the project. Uh, what's interesting about projects on Kickstarter is that these projects are described in two different ways. They're described via text, which is the HTML, um, and they're described using the video. And so this is a large-scale big data project in which we captured all the projects on Kickstarter since its inception in 2009 to date, which is about 300,000 projects. And then we looked at about 50,000 of those in detail, where we also captured the project video. We stripped the project video, we stripped the audio from the project videos. Uh, so of the 50,000 projects, about 30,000 had videos. And then we used a method which is called a neural network to automatically transcribe the project audio. That is to convert the project audio to text. So what that gave us was a comprehensive description of every project. And in this particular paper, what we do is we analyze the extent to which the project creator claims that the project is novel and the extent to which the project creator claims that the project is useful. We then look to relate the claims of novelty and the claims of usefulness to project funding outcomes. What's interesting for us is that, one, we find that saying that a project is new or saying that a project is useful is incredibly important on Kickstarter. Now, you know, this is, uh, this is somewhat surprising for the following reason. To the extent that a project is new, it could be the case that you don't need to say it, that essentially someone can turn around and look at the project and essentially guess at it. So if there's a, 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 a new toothbrush, for example, they can look at the form of the toothbrush and just with the image decide that it's new. But it turns out that's not the case, that on Kickstarter, creators need to actually communicate effectively that the project is new and that it is useful. The other thing which was very interesting to us is that we found that saying it is new increases your probability of being funded and increases the amount that you're funded. Saying that it is useful is also similar, but saying both together paradoxically reduces the probability of being funded. Now, why is this important? It's important because if you're a consumer, then something that is useful but not really new is nice, but it doesn't change the paradigm. It doesn't advance technology. It does not really shift the way you live your life. If something is new but is not useful, then that's a product which may have curiosity appeal. It might be interesting, but it doesn't really factor into your life. Projects that are new and useful 
products that are new and useful, are products that we value the most as consumers. And so what we seem to find that paradoxically, it is exactly those products, exactly those projects and innovations that at least claim to be both novel and useful, that are funded the least and supported the least. Is there an explanation for such behaviour? At this point, we have identified the phenomena much more than the mechanism behind it. We feel that it's likely to be the case that it's driven by the uncertainty which is inherent within the funding process and the innovation process. Uh, but at this juncture, we haven't yet established that. What are the implications of these findings? These findings are quite disappointing, as what they suggest is that while the crowd is very supportive of projects that are novel and they're supportive of projects that are useful, they're not really that supportive of projects that are truly creative and that are truly innovative. And the premise of crowdfunding was very much to develop these projects which are truly innovative. So from that sense, uh, academically, this is a bit disappointing. Uh, from a practical perspective, I think the implications for both project creators and project uh, and crowdfunding platforms are quite aligned. To the extent that what we are finding is driven by project uncertainty, um, I think it might be interesting for the portals as well as the project creators to look into ways to mitigate the uncertainty involved with the process. So what I mean is that currently, if you are on a crowdfunding platform, if you back a project, the project may be delayed, and if it is, there is very little recourse. The project may be cancelled, and if the project is cancelled, there is again very little recourse. That essentially, as a backer, you lose control of the money the day you, quote-unquote, donate it, the day you fund or the day you back the project. And that might be one of the reasons that it's creating so much uncertainty in the minds of the backers or of the community that the nature of the projects that are being funded may not be as innovative as one wants. This is an open question, but one that I feel that the crowdfunding platforms as well as the creators should investigate. Can you share with us what other research you are currently working on? So this is uh, the first in a series of papers that talk about crowd behavior. I'll talk about one other paper. This is a paper that we like to call plebeian bias. So to back up, if you think of the creative industries, take, for example, movies, um, a few superstars tend to dominate the headlines. And so this is this effect, which is the superstar effect, is very, very well docu documented in the creative industries. Uh, what it involves is that in the production or the creation of new creative items, new products, uh, we typically tend to favor those who've been successful in the past. Now, there are two reasons to do so. The first is that because they were successful in the past, that's a signal that they will be successful in the future. The second reason to do so is that because they were successful in the past, they have their own markets, they have their own fan base. What we seem to find is that in crowdsourcing portals, which are similar to crowdfunding portals, but where the scope of activity is slightly different, broadly, the pressure from the crowd seems to cause the portal to favor the plebeians, the newcomers over the superstars. Why would this happen? Well, essentially, if you think about what makes someone participate in these forums, 
why would you give your time and energy into crowdfunding or crowdsourcing? A large part of that of that motivation is driven by a sense of giving back to the community or participating and belonging to the community. Well, the problem with the superstar effect is that we know that it feels unfair, right? That in, in some sense, these people made it big. That's great. But then there's an amplification of what they're receiving, it's much, it may be more than what they deserve. And to the extent that is true, what the portal needs to do is demonstrate fairness. Well, how do you demonstrate fairness if you have a, a large number of users submitting submissions? So what we find is that the portal tends to err on the side of caution and essentially favor the plebeians, those without stardom, those without status over those with stardom. Uh, this is interesting also because if you think about the creative industries, away from product innovation, away from commercialization, if you think about music and art, to the extent that the web has caused these products to essentially magnify and amplify their scale. And so a single video by Taylor Swift will get millions of views within minutes or hours of its release. To the extent that it's magnified stardom, what our findings seem to suggest is that maybe the voice of the crowd, crowdsourcing, may be another path for lesser-known stars to be able to get their products out. Thank you, Professor. Thank you. Thank you. 